Good morning. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Glad to be with you, as always. And for those that you know, maybe wonder why we're doing more shows more often, I got to be honest, I'm feeling it. Uh, like, and I suggest to everybody, whatever it is that you love to do, go out there and do it. And then when you're done doing it, do it again. Handful of topics we're going to talk about today. Some of them sound repetitive. But in all honesty, you know, my, my show doesn't get out to too many people. And there are very few unique points that every talk show host is ever going to be able to throw out there. And, you know, if not a lot of people are getting it, my hope is that more people understand what I'm saying each day. And if I could get through to one random person that just doesn't get it and all of a sudden keeps them more open-minded to getting it a little bit more, then I feel like I accomplished something. We're going to talk about managers in baseball, their role. We're going to talk about the fact that there are so few black managers. In fact, there's about a third of the league that has never hired a black manager. And I think that's powerful. Um, quarterbacks in the National Football League, do they have more power or can they have a better opportunity to transform a team than a head coach? I think it's interesting. I'm not 100% sold on that statement, but at least I think it's debatable. And I want to talk about a rage room, which I, I find is absolutely fascinating. And if you heard about it, then obviously it's not going to be anything new to you, but we'll talk about the rage room as kind of our closing point of the day, but, you know, it's trying to, and, and I use social media, whatever platforms I can, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or really any way that my show could get out there in any way, shape or form to try to express points. And I think the best way to express a point is to use as much factual data and information as possible. I mean, you use that and you know, kind of backs your point up more and more. But I've, I've stated, and we understand this in the day and age we live in in 2019, that facts are just deeper opinions. What they really are is they're proven opinions. But if you twist it and you want to say whatever you want to diminish the fact or take a shot at the fact or say anything negative about the fact, it becomes an opinion. And all we could do is if you have a statement to make and you want to back it up, you back it up with as many facts as possible and you leave it up to the general public who in some cases just don't understand the difference between a fact and an opinion anymore. But it, it makes you sound better in the argument. So uh, anybody that knows the show, anybody that knows any of the points that I've made, I've made the statement about Major League Baseball managers and their role or what better term would be lack of a role in the impact of a game and of a team. Yet, every single time your team, whatever your team is, loses a game in Major League Baseball, the first thing and the first angle or the first place that you're going to point your finger is at the Major League Baseball manager. And I, I understand it's hereditary. You probably learned that from your parents. You probably learned that from whoever got you into the world of sports and in baseball. And it's been driven down your neck. 
Who cares about the players? Who cares about the front office? Who cares about anybody else that has any responsibility on that team? If your team struggles or anything doesn't go right for the team that you root for, in Major League Baseball, you are supposed to blame the manager. And when you do that right now, in the year of 2019, you look like you're out of touch. And you are. There's no other way to say it. So rather than sit here and raise my voice like I had before, get in arguments with people on social media because they don't want to hear it, I'm going to do the best job today that I can do to back up the statement that I have stated for a couple of years now. And that's managers of Major League Baseball. It's basically a useless position. The responsibility that we give to them, they don't really have. The blame that we throw their way is unjust. And at least 50% of all baseball fans do not get that. About 50% of baseball fans are out of touch. About 50% of baseball fans really have no clue what the role of a Major League Baseball manager is in 2019. So, I'm going to state for you a couple things of what a Major League Baseball manager is in 2019. They're a figurehead. You think of, let's say, the, you know, the Queen of England. Queen of England isn't running England. It's just there. She's a figurehead. She has a certain place upon the mantle when you talk about power. But what does the Queen of England actually have? to do with Great Britain and the running of Parliament. I'm not going to change the subject and talk about this, but a Major League Baseball manager is a figurehead. A Major League Baseball manager is also a spokesperson. Their job is to take questions before the game, take questions after a game. Um, in some cases, with Fox and different networks, take questions during the game. But their, their job is to be as well-spoken as possible because they're going to get hammered with questions and probably take undue uh, criticism for things that they had no control over, but their job is to be there and answer the question. So the manager is the figurehead. The manager is the spokesperson. The manager is also the guidance counselor. There's a lot more stress and emphasis on a Major League Baseball manager being able to control the clubhouse. Controlling the clubhouse really is one of the things that can get managers fired. Now listen, we understand that front offices use managers as kind of a lifeline to make their jobs better, which I can talk about or I have talked, I've spoken about it before, or I could bring it up again. But the most important thing is that the manager has to have a pulse of the players. He doesn't have to necessarily be a player's manager, but he has to get the support of the players that are in that room. Those players in, in that room have to be as motivated as possible. Like I said, he doesn't have to kiss their ass. He doesn't have to get them to love them, but it helps if they do. It helps if you have a group of players that literally will run through a wall for your manager. And in a team that's not doing so well, that's one of the things that should be judged. A Major League Baseball manager should be judged by whether or not they have the clubhouse. If you look at what happened in 2012 with the Boston Red Sox, Bobby Valentine, who 
has a history of being a very good manager. He had some success in Texas, went to a World Series as a manager of the New York Mets, is an incredibly intelligent guy, Is a, understands the game of baseball more than I ever will in my life, was put in a spot in Boston where he was unable to control the locker room and the players that were in it. So the players, if they're not going to buy in, then odds are that manager is not going to have much of a chance. So, yes, in some cases, managers go the route, like, like let's say a Mickey Callaway saying, I want every player on this team to feel like they've never been loved as much as they're loved. You know, maybe he was going a little over the top, but he understood that that was important to his job description and the job that he had as the Major League Baseball manager. You look in at the pulse of the locker room. Are, are the players, you know, the fact that they're losing, does that make them not want to come to play? Are they not motivated to want to do better? Are they not motivated to want to, as a team, get more together? Are they divided within themselves? All those things can be pointed to a Major League Baseball manager. Now, the other part of it that I have to talk about is the exact question. This question right here. What is a Major League Baseball manager in charge of? And like I said, I have to break this down because 50% of Major League Baseball fans don't understand that a manager has very limited responsibility and most of the stuff that fans blame a Major League Baseball manager for are just wrong. It's, it's a wrong way to throw... The issue that you have, the issue should be thrown with somebody else. So a Major League Baseball manager in 2019 is in charge of the locker room culture, which I just spoke about. He's the guidance counselor. He is responsible for the players playing hard, the players showing up every day, the players working together, the players caring enough about each other. And they may not have to like each other, but the fact that they're motivated and they're unified as a team, that is the job of the Major League Baseball manager. And his other responsibility, and I'm only going to leave it at two, he is in charge of implementing the game plan. So implementing the game plan includes implementing a lineup that is handed to him. The lineup is not generated by the manager. Anybody that's playing or not playing, the manager has no control over. His job is to post that lineup and let the players know that they're playing. Number two, a game plan includes the bullpen. Now, a lot of people say the manager is in charge of the bullpen. No, no. The game plan, which the manager is implementing, is includes the bullpen. So that's the use of relievers. Who's going to be available on a given day? That is provided for the manager. So that's part of the game plan that the manager has to implement. He has no control. He has no, it's not his decision which relievers he's going to use. It's not his decision which relievers are available at that. Defensive alignment. How are the players going to defend certain hitters? And we understand that that's not done by the manager. It's done by the analytics staff. Changes. Who to pinch hit for. The manager is told which players in a lineup he can and cannot pinch hit for. A star player, let's say a Bryce Harper with the Philadelphia Phillies, is not going to be allowed to be pinch hit for unless he's injured. 
Who do you use to pinch hit? This is the player that if you are going to pinch hit for one of these players that you can pinch hit for, these are the players that you are going to use. It might be different based off of different spots and different algorithms that are thrown in. And what plays during the game are you going to challenge? We're, you know, as an organizational philosophy, we are not going to challenge this, or we are going to challenge that every single time. Or we're going to make sure the video review is 100% conclusive that shows that the call was wrong before we challenge it. That's not made, the decision's not made by the manager. They're told, this is what you look for, this is what you don't look for. So that's all within the game plan. But we, unfortunately, as fans, and like I said, 50% of baseball fans think the managers make all the decisions. And 50% of baseball fans are wrong. Those same 50% do not know what they're talking about. The manager is in charge of the locker room culture. And the manager is also in charge of implementing the game plan. Once again, we confuse the game plan, which is part of what is implemented by the manager to the manager coming up with these decisions. So the manager does not write the lineup. The manager does not control the bullpen. The manager does not have any responsibility in defensive alignment. A manager does not have control over what players come up as a pinch hitter and what players are pinch hit for. No manager is responsible for any X's and O's. Like we talk about basketball, we talk about football, and even hockey. The head coach has responsibility over X's and O's and things that happen in the game. A Major League Baseball manager does not. So who implements the game plan if the manager does not implement the game plan? So I'm telling you, the manager doesn't implement. His job is just to implement the game plan. He has no control over the game plan. The game plan is handed to him. Who is the one that's handing him the game plan. It starts with the general manager. We understand that general managers of Major League Baseball have a lot more control over what happens on the field than the actual manager. Now, if the general manager was buzzing in or a little, little headset or a text, if it was proven that he was interfering with the game in any way, that's against the rules. So no general manager is going to admit to doing that. No manager in Major League Baseball is going to say that they are you know, basically just doing what they're told. They have a game plan to implement. And a game plan that comes from the general manager. It comes from other members of the front office. It comes from the analytic staff. In some cases, it comes from fellow coaches on the staff. Certain coaches, whether it's a hitting coach, a pitching coach, a bench coach, uh, maybe somebody that's in charge of defense, maybe somebody that's in charge of base running, uh, a coordinator that helps with pitching or hitting, they're responsible for providing reports. These reports are presented to the manager for the manager to use. So numbers are being crunched. Um, algorithms are being used. You know, you could put something in a computer and just ha basically have it generate something. All right, this is the optim optimum lineup. This is the situation where you do this or that. It comes out of the printer, gets handed to the manager, and the manager's job is to implement the game plan. And I've said this way too many times. And I'm going to continue to say it way too many times. A manager in baseball doesn't have any control over the game. They have control over the clubhouse. Absolutely. 
And if it's proven that they're not implementing the game plan from the front office, they're not going to have a job very long because that's their only job. They're not responsible for lineups. They're not responsible for bullpens. They're not responsible for players coming off the bench. Yet, 50% of baseball fans don't understand that and probably never will. So hopefully that helps. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and the solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPLA.com, and JohnPLA LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charging admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So staying on baseball, we spoke last time, a couple days ago, eight managerial vacancies in the sport. And who are you looking for? Once again, we could all say this together. Somebody that controls the locker room, somebody that implements the game plan. That's what you're looking for in a manager of baseball. So there's eight openings, hopefully eight teams that are trying to figure out that game plan implement implementer and the locker room, the guy that's going to control the locker room. I've posted a picture of my website, which I have a list. And I'm actually going to throw this up there because I have it up on my screen. You can't see it, but the first black managers in Major League Baseball history by team. And I haven't seen this anywhere. So when I, when I find something that's that fascinating that I can't find to just basically click on, I decided to produce it myself. And I decided to go through each Major League Baseball team and talk about exactly when <coughs> Excuse me. They hired their first black manager. Obviously started with the Cleveland Indians in 1975 when they hired Frank Robinson to be a player manager. 1978, Chicago White Sox and Bill Beck hired Larry Doby. Larry Doby holds the distinction of being the second African-American player or the first African-American player in the American League and also the second African-American manager in Major League Baseball history. The first African-American manager in the National League history was also Frank Robinson when he took over the San Francisco Giants in 1981. So I went through, went through about 20 teams and realized that there are 10 teams, I think, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, I'm sorry, 11 teams in Major League Baseball history. And I used the term well, actually, the, when I say 11, I'm using the term a little bit loosely because there's technically 12. And I'm going to talk about the 12th in a little bit. But more than one-third of Major League Baseball teams have never had an African-American manager. And if you go back to 1947 and everything that preceded it with the racism and the discrimination and the hatred and the vitriol that existed in a way that darker-skinned people were treated... Baseball and its 16 teams made sure that once Jackie Robinson became the first African-American player to play Major League Baseball since the days of Moses Fleetwood Walker in 1884, that they were going to make sure that they were inclusive as, a, as opposed to exclusive. So they every team, by the time Pumpsy Green in 1968 with the Boston Red Sox, I think, sorry, 1958 with the Boston Red Sox, all 16 teams had an African-American player play for them. Maybe not at that moment, 
maybe wasn't continuous. Maybe they didn't make sure that there was at least one on their team going forward. But every team had broken the color barrier as it existed in Major League Baseball. But when it comes to managers, when it comes to leadership positions, not every team has. And it's amazing that we're in the year of 2019 that you could say 11 and probably 12 teams in Major League Baseball out of the 30 that exist have never had a black manager. Yet you can hear complaints about anything else that you want. This is the one complaint that never goes out there. Nobody makes this into a big enough issue. Nobody puts any pressure or places any pressure on any of these teams that have managerial vacancies and ask them, why are they not hiring a black manager? The Philadelphia Phillies have a managerial vacancy. They have never in the history of their team, since 1883, when they were the Philadelphia Quakers, ever had a black manager. The Los Angeles Angels have been around since 1962. Still a long time. 57 years. They're likely to hire Joe Madden. That's probably why they had a vacancy and they let Brad Ausmus go. But in their 57-year history, I've never had a black manager. Now, the San Diego Padres also have a managerial vacancy. Now, they could say technically that they had a black manager. It was only for one game in 2015 after Bud Black was fired. His bench coach was Dave Roberts, who happens to be black. He managed the team for one game. He was the interim manager until Pat Murphy took over and managed that team for the rest of the season. So in the history of the San Diego Padres franchise, which is 50 years old, they have had a black manager for exactly one game. That doesn't count. So you got the Padres, you got the Phillies, you got the Angels, three teams that have managerial vacancies. They can all do the right thing and hire a black manager. Now, it's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. But when you talk about a history that has existed, especially if you're in Philadelphia Phillies, a team, like I said, that's existed since 1883 when they're the Philadelphia Quakers from 1883 to 1889. Since 1890, they've been known as the Phillies, and they have never had a black manager. Now, it's good to hear that they're interviewing Dusty Baker. It's good to hear that the Padres are interviewing Ron Washington, which Dusty, it's up to him at the age of 70. He's managed four teams. He's taken them all to the playoffs and actually has a pretty good winning percentage of 532. It's up to Dusty whether or not he wants to manage a 15. Now, you could talk about sometimes, whether it was in Cincinnati, whether it was with the Washington Nationals, that he probably shouldn't have lost his job. Now, there's people that could criticize any manager. Like I said, for any one of the reasons that a Major League Baseball manager doesn't have the same control in 2019 that they did in 2009 or 1999 or 1989, whatever, however far back you want to go when you talk about the likes of Billy Martins and Sparky Andersons and Earl Weavers and guys that their job was to do everything. Their job was to provide any reports, to control all decisions in the lineup, to make all decisions involving their roster specifically with their pitching and their bullpen doesn't happen in 2019 so why aren't there more black managers why are there still 12 or 11 plus the Padres who had Dave Roberts manage their team for one game 
why are there that many teams in Major League Baseball that have never hired a black manager? Three teams searching for a manager now can right the wrong and make that list a little bit less. Dusty Baker, Ron Washington. How about Will Venable, 36-year-old coach for the Chicago Cubs? His father, you know, obviously he's a second-generation player. His father, Max. How about, how about he gets a job? But once again, we get to this point where we stop talking about the issue itself, and then it becomes more of a token thing. A token manager can take over a spot just so a team can say they can do it. And I'm not for that either. But what I am I have absolutely have a problem with is the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies have gone as long as they have without ever hiring a black manager. In fact, the Atlanta Braves, who obviously started out as the Boston Bean Eaters, then became the Boston Braves, went to Milwaukee, went to Atlanta, have never in their history, which started in 1876, ever had a black manager. The, the St. Louis Cardinals started in 1882, have never had a black manager. The Philadelphia Phillies we just talked about. The Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, the Detroit Tigers, the Philadelphia Athletics who, who moved to Kansas City and are now the Oakland Athletics, and the Minnesota Twins who were the Washington Senators have never in their history had a black manager. Is that okay? And where, where's the calling out to Major League Baseball to make sure this happens? Like I said, I don't want it to be a token thing, thing, teams to do it because they're told. But shame on the Braves. Shame on the Cardinals. Shame on the Phillies for having heritage from their team that traces back to the 19th century, for crying out loud. And they have never had a black manager. This is the famous Budweiser beer. We know no brand produced by any other brewer that costs so much to brew and age. Our exclusive Beachwood Aging produces a taste of smoothness and drinkability you'll find and no beer at any cost. So I was I was thinking about the impact that a quarterback has on a National Football League team. And I'm not breaking any news when I'm talking about this. I'm not bringing up something that is, is that you know ridiculous that maybe nobody ever has heard before. But think of one position on the football field that a team can, you know, really not do without, and that's a quarterback. You can talk about the worst teams in the National Football League this year, last year, and in previous years. And in all honesty, they probably all have something in common. And that something is the fact that they have play that'll leave something to be desired when it comes to their quarterback. It doesn't mean that they have a bad quarterback, or it doesn't mean that they just didn't get the right guy. Maybe they had the quarterback that they want to develop, and he just hasn't gotten there yet. But I looked at three teams this weekend that won, and three teams this weekend that either lost or would have lost to every other team in the National Football League. And I talked about things that I thought about things that they have in common. I think of the New York Jets who came into a game against Dallas, were playing at home at MetLife Stadium. The odds of that game, you figure it'll be an easy win for the Dallas Cowboys. The Jets are zero and four. 
But you didn't factor in, or actually maybe the national fan has not factored in, that the Jets have played the last two weeks with their third-string quarterback, a third-string quarterback who was released and is only playing because they didn't have anybody else. Sam Darnold was their starter. They drafted him out of USC with a number three overall pick last year. Trevor Simeon, decent backup, gets hurt right away. And you could see a team that actually had some promise, some a possibility that you would have thought that this team could compete in this season, was kind of thrown by the wayside because they lost their quarterback. The Arizona Cardinals struggled last year by identifying their quarterback. Had a complete mess there. Steve Wilkes was not the answer as the head coach. He was let go after one season. Turmoil in the locker room. Josh Rosen, drafted out of UCLA, couldn't get the job done. They have the number one overall pick. They draft Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma. And all of a sudden, this is a competitive football team. This is a team that could go out there and win. Why? Because they got a quarterback. Now, he may not always be the quarterback in the future, but he looks pretty good right now. Carolina Panthers are a very good example about what I'm talking about. Cam Newton, he's been their quarterback for years. One of the things that you think of when you think of the Carolina Panthers is the fact that they have a solid quarterback in Cam Newton. He's taken that team to a Super Bowl. He's done a lot of good things. He is probably one of the top 10 or so quarterbacks in the National Football League. But he goes out with an injury. Kyle Allen comes in. And here's the difference between having somebody that is capable to be able to run your offense when your quarterback's out. The Carolina Panthers have not missed a beat. And they haven't, it's not that they haven't missed a beat because of Cam Newton, because Cam Newton isn't that good. It's because they have somebody that can run their offense. And maybe Kyle Allen is a little bit better than people thought he would be. So Kyle Allen, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, those guys being in there are going to give their team a chance to win. And then I look at the other side of it, and I think of the Cincinnati Bengals who the last several years have had Andy Dalton. Prior to that, they had Carson Palmer. But the bottom line is the Cincinnati Bengals for a series of years just haven't been able to get out of their own way. Now, their roster is a little bit deteriorated. they got a rookie head coach in there. They're rebuilding for the future. So they're looking at a lot of younger players. Unfortunately, Andy Dalton's a little bit older. He's never kind of never quite gotten over the hump despite taking the team to the playoffs a couple years. But you realize that the Cincinnati Bengals, even though Andy Dalton is their quarterback week in and week out, they are struggling at the quarterback position. The reason, one of the reasons that they don't have a win in this season up to this point is because of the play of their quarterback. We know about Miami. They're basically tanking this season so they can get to a tabula voa from the University of Alabama to be their quarterback of the future. They want to suck so bad. They want to lose every game so they can get that quarterback of the future. Which means a lot when you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is basically your journeyman quarterback, the guy who may play for every team in the National Football League before it's all said and done, and Josh Rosen, who had so much hype, so much positivity coming out of him when he was drafted last year by the Arizona Cardinals, 
that the Miami Dolphins can't wait to move on, can't wait to lose every game this year, can't wait to guarantee that they are going to get the number one overall pick in the draft so they can take their quarterback of the future. The Washington Redskins may have that answer. Dwayne Haskins is sitting on the bench. They won a game yesterday with Case Keenum. Colt McCoy is still there. Alex Smith may or may not ever play again. But the bottom line is the Washington Redskins are going to lean very heavily on Dwayne Haskins. At some point, he's going to get a chance to play. Now, he may not be ready now. Jay Gruden, who's no longer there as the head coach, may be right. You, know, you give a coaching staff led by the head coach the ability to judge the talent that he has there. And I would trust the head coach to make a decision over whether a young quarterback is ready or not ready. Now, Dwayne Haskins played a little bit against the Giants. He didn't look like he was ready. So the fact that he is not playing right now may make you believe or us believe that he really isn't ready right now. So what do the Washington Redskins do? Are they looking to get a quarterback next year? Can they develop the one that they have? But the bottom line is when you have a quarterback that can play in the National Football League, odds are you're going to be competitive week in and week out. Now, it's not going to guarantee you're going to be the best team in the league, but I bet you if you have a quarterback to play that can play, you have an opportunity to win week after week. Just a reminder that Castrol provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. Castrol, engineered by today for today's smaller cars. So last thing I wanted to talk about is something that I found absolutely fascinating. And uh, Garrick, G-A-R-I-K, on Periscope, throws out, says, hello. Well, hello. How, hopefully everything's going well. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. If not, you know, let me know anything that's on your mind in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. So... The Philadelphia Flyers have done something that I believe is pretty innovative. In fact, it's something that I think a lot of us have thought about. Maybe some of us have thought about doing in our own house. We know that rage is an issue as it exists in this country for whatever reason. Now, I'm pretty good at controlling my rage, except when I'm talking about Major League Baseball managers. That, I kind of lose my mind. But I feel like I have an advantage over a lot of people because I don't get that real upset. I don't go zero to 60 over a matter of a, you know, a, a flick of the fingers. But a lot of people do. And the best way is to try to manage your rage to a point where you're not impacting other people. You don't want to be violent. You don't want to hurt anybody. You, you don't want to create a disruptive environment. There's a lot of people that have nothing to do with the reason why you're upset so you shouldn't impact them in a negative way, even if we're not talking about violence. But we understand the role of rage as it exists in a world of sports. You can root for whatever team you root for. And a lot of fans, most fans, wear how they do, whether they win or lose, on their sleeve and in their personality. And it impacts and absolutely is part of their mood. Their team wins, they're happy. If they're not, they don't win, they're not happy. So I'm sure fans of all different types, of all different sports and all different regions have thought of maybe designating a room in their house where they could flip out 
take some old junk, maybe you're taking it from a junkyard, maybe you're collecting stuff that other people don't want, you put it in a room, you go in there with a bat or some other sort of weapon, and you just go to town breaking stuff. You want to take a TV and just smash it? Well, here's a broken TV and let's smash it. I'm sure plenty of fans have thought about that before. Now, the Philadelphia Flyers of the National Hockey League have taken it a step further. They have created a quote-unquote rage room where fans can take out their frustration and break stuff. Now, you want to make sure that this violence, which you're going to allow within a, within a closed corridor of your arena, doesn't spread out and you know become a scene in the entire place. You give a fan five minutes... Flyers just gave up a big goal. Now the game's tied and going to overtime. You thought you were going to win. That fan gets to go in there and just break a bunch of stuff for five minutes. But they got to pay. And I think it's worth the price of admission to have a room like that in each arena. In fact, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Wells Fargo Center, guess what? I'm going there some point this year. I never thought I would. I am a moderate hockey fan. Haven't been to a hockey game game in over a decade, but I want to take a look at this rage room. And if it's everything that I think it is, I'm going to recommend that every arena, every stadium has a rage room. A little bit of a recap of the show today, and as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Pass Ball Show, brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. We started a show by talking about managers. And I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version in case you don't understand. If you're one of those 50% of Major League Baseball fans that don't understand that the manager's role has been completely diminished, that a manager in baseball has basically been castrated, here's a couple things that the manager is right now in 2019. He's a figurehead. He's a spokesperson. He's a guidance counselor. He's in charge of two things the locker room culture, and implementing the game plan. And we'll talk about the game plan, which includes, now don't get this wrong, don't take this as part of the manager's responsibility, he implements the game plan. The game plan is provided to him. This game plan includes the lineup, it includes the bullpen, it includes the use of relievers, it includes the availability of relievers, it includes the defensive alignment, it includes potential changes that could come up over the course of the game, who to pinch hit for, who to use to pinch hit for, whoever you're pinch hitting for, and what type of plays do you challenge. A manager in Major League Baseball is not in charge of X's and O's. Who implements the game plan? The front, the general manager, the front office, the other members of the front office staff, the analytics staff, in some cases coaches, in other cases people that are in charge of crunching numbers, using algorithms, and I hate to say it, Computers dictate what happens over the course of a baseball game. Talked about black managers in Major League Baseball. There are 11, and if you include the San Diego Padres, who had Dave Roberts as a manager for just one game, 12 teams in Major League Baseball that have never hired a black manager. How come that doesn't get spoken about? Out of the eight teams with managerial vacancies, there's three of them, the Phillies, who have Never had a black manager in their, since their inception in 1883. The Angels and the Padres have a chance to write that. Let's see if they do that. 
quarterbacks in the National Football League, basically the most simple statement I'm ever going to make. If you have a good quarterback, you got a chance. You look back at what happened Sunday with the Jets and Sam Darnold, the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray, the Carolina Panthers, who I'm not advocating that Cam Newton should be replaced, but the fact that Cam Newton's out and they got a quarterback that can play, they have a chance to win week in and week out. Finally, the Rage Room. I'm going to the Wells Fargo Center because I want to check this out for myself. So I do thank everybody for tuning in. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry. Andre asked if I have a YouTube channel, and I do. Um, John Pielli, type in John Pielli. We, are, uh, we post every one of these videos up there on YouTube. So I appreciate the input there. Uh, we'll be back with you later on in the week. Once again, this is the Past Boss Show. Glad to be with you. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.